the NBA Finals start in two days, and we're going to get the Celtics' perspective on the Warriors, plus can Gary Payton influence this series at all, and X-Factors for each team. It's the Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And today it's going to be all NBA finals, particularly with this guy right here covering the Celtics. On Wednesdays, I'm your usual co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're going to the NBA finals. Yay, Boston. Uh, Find me on Twitter at Red, uh, I don't know. Wait, this is the wrong one. At John underscore Corrales, I got the wrong, hey, hey, the hey, wrong hey. graphic here, man. What are we, we doing? That. It's, it's there somewhere. I know that's the old one. We even made you a new fancy one. We're doing it on, I'm doing it um, on the and, fly. Uh, let's see who we are here. And thank you, by the way, everybody, oh, for making now. Locked On NBA. Yeah, we switch over here. One of these, everything. one of these is going to be the right graphic. You keep talking. I'll There's find a lot it. in there. We got a lot of there there a lot, go. All right. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, Monday through Friday, breaking down the biggest stories around the league that you want to know. And look, it's the NBA Finals right now. We got John Corrales at John underscore Corrales, as it's correct right now. <laughs> yeah, we got the right graphic up. Who covers the Celtics here? So we might as well take advantage of this man here, That's right? Um, and and kind of like dive into a number of the different topics around this one. So we got a, a great show here for you. So look, I'm going to give you the floor right off to start. Like, put put a bow on the end of that Celtics Heat series because last time you and I oh. talked, I think you you thought that series was over, done, and then it gets to Game Seven. And that was tighter probably than what you were expecting and feeling, particularly with how the Celtics kind of started in that. Does that change the way you view the the Celtics in these finals at all? Okay, so it, to go work backwards, a, a little bit only because they blew an opportunity to finish this thing off in six and get an extra two, three days of rest and a couple extra days of preparation. That would have been, I think, a huge deal for the Celtics, who are banged up. I think definitely more banged up than the Warriors. And they could have used that extra couple of days that would have helped heal some things up, maybe heal up uh, Marcus Smart, whose entire right leg seems to be ready to fall off. Robert Williams is dealing with the knee soreness, continued inflammation there. Uh, Just those little things that just keep uh, nagging at the end of a playoff run, especially a run like the Celtics have been on where you go up up against Milwaukee and you're running into a brick wall and you go up against Miami and you're running into a brick wall. Shout out to, to Jimmy Butler and the heat. Uh, They looked dead, absolutely dead. After game five, I was listening to lockdown heat. Even Wes Goldberg was saying it's over after game five. Like you just got to, yeah, everyone really was. Everyone was, they looked dead, but just, I guess we should have known better, Jake. Like in, in, but that's how bad they looked that even people in Miami were like, oh, well, it was a good run. But Jimmy Butler, you just, he's like a zombie uh, in The Walking Dead. You just got <laughs> to put one in the brain. That's the only way. You got to kill it or else it's just going to keep coming. So Butler was awesome, amazing. Miami was amazing. 
The fact that they even got that to within one shot of taking the lead with 15 seconds left or 13 seconds left was a testament to how they just, you need to put it down on them. The Celtics fell asleep and, and tried to play prevent offense in the last four minutes. But anyway, that's done. The Celtics built up a big enough lead. They, they won the series and now they are either as we speak in midair or about to land in California for game one. So I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the short turnarounds and the complete change in styles is, is going to affect this series. Cause I think right away game one is going to be a very interesting kind of uh, change of pace for the Celtics. Yeah, certainly, right? Like you're you're going against a team that actually has good offense compared to say oh, Miami who could yeah, yeah, it's putting it mildly, right? And like that was kind of the thing we that's part of the reason why everyone thought the Heat were going to be dead. No half-court offense whatsoever other than Jimmy Butler just kind of doing his thing. They could get it in transition and you know, that stat was thrown around a lot, right? They had like 19 turnovers and losses versus just 12 and wins, something along those lines. Maybe it was more than 19. You know, that's this kind that kind of Celtics defense is going to be tested probably in a way, at least, you know, in a sense differently than they were last series. And I think that's going to be kind of the eye-opening thing here. And before we even get in on the show, right, you were talking about injuries here. Marcus Smart, you mentioned him a little bit ago here, kind of being dinged up. He's going to be key in something like this too. But also Robert Williams, right, who's done an excellent job, I thought, in the postseason. And how is he going to feel? So getting a couple extra days off really would have been big for this defense that – I think has been battle tested throughout the playoffs. They played some really good offensive teams so far, but again, it's the Warriors and the Warriors looking like the Warriors of old. Yeah, that's that's the problem for the for the Celtics. I I said this on my crossover show um, with Lockdown Warriors about uh, you know that that's coming up for me um, on Wednesday morning. The change in pace for the Celtics is like going from fighting twelve rounds with Mike Tyson to fighting Floyd Mayweather. And you've got two, two champions, two dominant fighters, but who are very different in style. And when you're going up against Tyson, you fight a certain way. And when you go up against, if you got to turn around and fight Mayweather, you're just like, well, wait a second. You're so used to a certain cadence of the game that I think there's going to be a little bit of a shock for the Celtics. Now, does the Celtics defense hold up against the Warriors offense. I think that's going to be the key to this series. Ultimately, it's going to be the transition defense and which team can force the other team into the most turnovers. That might be, if you want the simplest boiled down analysis of the series, both teams are high turnover teams. Can one defend the other so well that they continue the high turnovers while the while also on the offensive end limiting theirs and if you can if you can win the points off turnovers battle by a fair amount then you're going to probably win these games and that's what gives me confidence in a way because the Celtics are a really good defense Golden State's a good defense too but they're missing right now Gary Payton is is still hurt and unclear whether he's going to play they're Clay isn't the defender that he was. I think Golden State's defense is a little less than what it had been. But the Celtics are turnover prone and they they you know they 
And you saw that in that series against the the Heat. That was a big deal in some of those games. Yeah, they don't handle the prosperity well. They tend to get lazy when they get leads. So if the Celtics can take care of the ball and force the turnovers, then they can get out and run and and maybe maybe they can steal one of these games in in San Francisco. That that's what I'm looking for is who can win that turnover battle. Oh, it's it's like sometimes the great equalizer, right? You get those easy points in transition, which are some of the most high efficiency plays and possessions that you can absolutely get. You know, the last thing I think any team wants to do is try and go shot for shot with a team like the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry there, Clay Thompson. Like that's a certain certain way to try and lose that game, right? right. Right. Yeah, like you don't want to do that. So getting those turnovers, if you can get some easy offense and almost cheap points in transition, that's a huge thing for any team that's going to need to keep up a scoring load like that. And so I, I agree with you that sometimes it's as simple as looking at that and seeing points off turnovers and seeing what teams are able to do with all that. So more on this series coming up here in today's episode of Locked On NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Built Bar. We've been asking... If Built has finally delivered. Built granola bars are here. I just ordered a box of these because I couldn't wait to try them. And they come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, uh, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. If you want to try all three like I did, you can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. And these are so different from the bars and the puffs. I'm excited. I love that crunch. I love granola, the flavor of all, all of that. And now Built granola bars are going to be loaded with it. And it's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. And just like the bars and puffs these babies are packed with protein and they taste delicious covered in 100 real chocolate only 150 calories 15 grams of protein and just four grams of sugar built granola bars will change your world and they've cracked the code to better granola to the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch take on the road or eat as a snack and they're made with collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits so if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market this is your time head to built.com right now to get the built granola bars three delicious flavors to try chocolate peanut butter chocolate coconut and white chocolate berry don't miss out you got to get yours today i already did go to built.com to get the built granola bars right now go to built.com use promo code lot 15 and get 15 percent off your next order again use promo code lot 15 for 15 percent off over at built.com and thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're free and available five days a week wherever you all get your podcast. It's a fun time to be an NBA fan knowing that all of this, the finals and everything are going on. And now we've got a quick favor to ask. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On shows even better. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. That is LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. All right, John, we're still talking the NBA Finals. we still got another day to go, but I, I really can't wait. Like, it's kind of been building towards this. I actually think despite some of the blowouts, the postseason's been pretty fun. And in some weird way, I'm kind of excited to see the Warriors back like a chance to really kind of cement themselves is like you know they've already been a dynasty I think but this kind of takes it to another level after two years off and all of the injuries that they've dealt with do you think there's a lot on the line for their legacy in this series I mean legacy no I mean if they lose it's I think it says more about the Celtics 
um, than it does negatively. Yeah, it might not be asking the right person, the Celtics guy, this question. Well, no, because I mean, I also, no matter who they were, they'd be playing. Am I going to ding any of these guys and their legacies? No. No. Like they're all champs and multiple time champs. And if, if they lose this series, it'll be because the Celtics went out and beat them. I don't expect the Warriors to go out and beat themselves. They're not going to go out there. I mean, maybe the Celtics can force turnovers and maybe they can force missed shots. Okay, fine. Uh, I don't think the Warriors are going to go out there and play like stupid. I don't think they're going to like, I think they're going to try to play their game. And if Boston has a better game plan, then they win. And I really do think that the, the story at the end, if that's the case, will be, wow, what a run for the Celtics. And, and not really a demerit on anything that the Warriors have done, their legacy or anything like that. Steph's a Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. Clay, probably the same thing. Dre, maybe two, you know, a Hall of – like those guys are all just in, in together as a team. They're, they are just awesome in, in calling them a dynasty. Totally, totally um, valid. Yeah, so, they're already there. Yeah, so – Getting to the NBA Finals is is enough for me. If they, I think a lot of people probably expect them to win. They're favored to win. Um, mm-hmm. Even I sit there and I say, I'm I'm kind of calling this series a toss up at this point. Um, so if they won, it wouldn't be like a surprise to me. I, I I think no matter how this goes, their legacy is is fine. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. I wonder if this can help kind of elevate them to like another level. I know what you mean. You know, yeah. after, after two years off, all of the injuries that that Steph has faced, that Clay has faced, right? You know, losing Kevin Durant and they're still right back here despite kind of all of that. You know, does this, you know, if they win this title, is it the most impressive of all the ones that they've had? And then do we start thinking of them as, you know, those mid-90s Bulls teams, in a sense? Are we going to start putting them on that level to kind of make this comeback to get into the finals? And maybe it takes another year or two after this one, right? With the two-year break in there, which is like eerily similar to everything um, with, with it all. And I, so I wonder if there's just a lot... It's not going to be a mark against them if they lose this. I'm with you. Just to get back to the NBA Finals is unbelievably impressive after basically two years of them not being themselves. To just kind of put all that like magic back in a bottle and unleash it on the world here is kind of what they've done. But it's still, you know, usually that window closes and sometimes pretty hard and that hasn't happened for the Warriors. And that's one of those things that I find like, oh, wow, look at what they were just able to kind of bring it all right back. I think this is kind of like a story of two two teams that are kind of ahead of schedule. You know, like the Warriors yeah, that's fair. had a year off from, you know, because of the injuries. And now, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people thought, hey, there's a potential for these guys to get back to the finals. But I think the, the more realistic take would have been Phoenix, you know, one of the, you know, a, a different team. Yes. If the Clippers weren't hurt, you know, another team out West that probably was more quite their time and the Warriors with Clay coming back and you say, okay, another summer for Clay to get back to as, as close to normal Clay as possible. And you get some of these ancillary pieces, the Jordan pools, you know, the Wiggins, like those guys were supposed to take a little extra time to develop Gary, you know, Gary Payton. Those guys, and but they they accelerated, 
and they they're yeah. ready now. And I think that is um, the story of the Warriors. So if they lose, it's like okay, next year is going to be the year of expectations for the Warriors, and kind of similar for the Celtics, where they were certainly not expected to make the NBA Finals, but they are ahead of schedule for sure. Um, I don't know what their future would hold if they lose, but I, I think I think it's a little bit more of a ahead of schedule. Uh, Ime's just shown himself to be an amazing coach, and it's now up to Brad Stevens to kind of fill some blanks. Like I feel like the Celtics are still a step behind the Warriors developmentally. Like you still need to get those pieces, whereas the Warriors have all the pieces. They just if if they lose, it's just just give them one more summer, one more training camp to gel. Next year, everybody's going to be picking them. Yeah, you have guys for them like Kaminga and Moody, rookies, who have at times played like significant roles this postseason. You mentioned Jordan Poole, right? Like it's his third year. He was kind of an afterthought about certain things. And then he comes in and a pool party is a thing. And that's fun to say. Right. Like like a fun player to kind of watch. And it's like those guys are – they shouldn't be here right now, right? Like Kaminga – uh, Moody, especially the rookie, shouldn't be kind of in this role and give them time and how good could this team ha- be? And is there some more like sustainability because of things like that? Whereas you're right, we I, I probably wouldn't look at the Boston Celtics like that. You look at them and be like, no, they need to probably add one or two things or kind of mix it up. And they tried to, right? Like adding Derek White at the trade deadline was definitely sure. part of that, right? Like trying to kind of fill in those gaps, which was a great move and has definitely paid off despite some pretty poor shooting games from him at times. So it's interesting to kind of see see where both of these teams are. You mentioned another guy, though, that I think is worth talking about here, and that's Gary Payton II, right? Clearly a key guy for them, their best perimeter defender, and gets injured on you know the play that happened in that series against Memphis. But it sounds like he's going to be listed as doubtful or questionable for game one. You know, you, you and I were playing the clip before we started recording of, I, I feel like he's not going to end up playing in game one. How do you think that guy from the Celtics perspective can really impact this series. Well, it gives it gives them that one more defender that they need to to go up against Tatum and Brown. And I think if you have Peyton, then you could put Peyton and Wiggins on on Tatum and Brown and then you can zone up behind them and do triangle on two. You know, if if one of those guys is out, you can go box on one, but uh Steve Kerr has done that. We saw it against the the Dallas Mavericks. If they want to go triangle on two and you have two defenders, the way Wiggins has proven himself to be, what uh, Peyton has proven himself to be, that makes it very, very difficult for the Celtics to go one-on-one. And even if they're beaten, and let's be real, perimeter defense is so difficult nowadays with the rules and and all that (laughs) stuff. So like, you're still going to get beat no matter how good you are. Having those guys to at least slow down Tatum and Brown and then, then they have to go into the teeth of a zone and 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 see two, three bodies. That that's going to put a lot of pressure on the Celtics role players. Your Grant Williams, your Derek White, yeah, you know the, the guys out in the perimeter, even Al Horford out on the perimeter who are going to be asked to to hit some shots over the top of that zone. Um, without Peyton, then you have to bring in someone else. Is Otto Porter going to play? Is you know. Uh, uh, Iguodala going to play. And, and that just opens up. You put a guy on the floor that you can, yeah, they can be good defenders in, in spots, but I still think that they can be targeted a little bit more easily. So getting Peyton back would be a huge boost to that defense.
Yeah, no, definitely. And look, I, I don't know how close he is. And it doesn't sound like there'll be a ton of offense from him based on Steve Kerr's comments. He was asked about his kind of shooting, if he has range from three, and they kind of basically said no, that they're they trying asked, to kind of move his range back. It was a weird question. They asked, can he shoot with his left hand? And there was no yes. It was, well, he's extending his range. Like, if he can shoot, you just say, yes, he can shoot. And he didn't say that. So I would say if they put him out there, it's only because he he won't break his arm again, but he's he wouldn't be himself. It would just be he's he's uh, a defensive player. But the problem is, Jake, that you don't want to put a guy out there that you can just leave on. on no, on it's himself. it's. That we, just, we've learned that from every team in the league. You cannot play four and five offensively. You need, no. especially at this point, right, where it's going to be high-level play of everyone needs to play a role and you can't just let... It, it, the worst is when you can hide a subpar defender or a big on one of those guys or someone, right? And you just yep. don't need to worry about it at all. And it changes the thing. And that is how you get burned, I've yep. seen. from like I think that's definitely been a theme this postseason. Yeah, I mean, look, the Celtics love hiding Robert Williams on on non-shooters and letting him roam, and he just stays kind of parked in the paint. And if if Peyton is not going to be able to shoot, then you could have him and Draymond on the floor. If you have yeah. both of them on the floor, now you've got two guys that you can help off of, then you're really loaded up. And you, what you don't get is the drive and kicks that are so deadly for the Warriors and you just you're really asking Steph and Clay to create and the more you ask them to create that's fine they can but they have to work that much harder for their offense and the more you make them work like that for their offense the more tired they're going to be the less effective they're going to be on the defensive end and in the fourth quarter you do run the risk of those guys being just gassed enough to to short rim some of those shots and and kind of take away their effectiveness down the stretch no, no, I, I, I fully agree with you on on all of that one. I mean, it's going to be kind of really interesting to see how they use him if he's ready to go or if this is just sort of like the the mind games you play and trying to mess with the opponent's game plan or things like that going into it. Because those comments from, from Steve Kerr did not leave me feeling very good about everything that they're capable of doing. Before we wrap up this segment, I got a real fake for you in the next one too, by the way. Um, one of the things I noticed about the Celtics is you'll see like very, there'll be stretches for both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum where it just doesn't feel like they're contributing offensively. You know, they, they might not do much for a quarter. What goes into that and what's caused some of that, do you think? Well, I think it's it's a little bit different in different games, but I think generally speaking, you're going to see teams blitz Tatum knowing that he wants to get off the ball, right? They, they, they know that the Celtics game plan is when Tatum is blitzed, he's going to give the ball up and he's going to, the, the ball is going to go into somebody else's hands. Maybe Marcus smart and Marcus, depending on how much time is on the shot clock is sometimes a little too willing to take some of those shots. So what you do is if, if they're just running a pick and roll, you kind of bait them. You say, all right, you you want to target, like in the Miami series, you want to target Max Struess? No problem. We'll just blitz you anyway, and we'll give the ball, you can give the ball up to Marcus Smart, and we'll just kind of let that play out and, and kind of dare one of these other guys to shoot. Um, the late game offense is where Jalen kind of tends to disappear, and that's, I think they use him too much as a spacer, 
because they they have him on the opposite corner. You have to stay close to him. They want to create that space. If I have one criticism of the Celtics late game offense like that is you take away one of your best scorers. And I think it's because the Celtics don't have a, a knockdown type of shooter. Otherwise, you can put Grant in the corner, but it costs you something. You can put Peyton Pritchard in the corner, but that costs you something. So they put um, Jalen in the corner, but then he just becomes a guy who stands there. And I think Jalen has a tendency in those situations to get too passive and it gets into his head and he just kind of, instead of, he, he goes too far one way or the other. He either tries too hard to make a play, which we've seen result in some offensive fouls, or he's just like, well, I'm a spacer. I'm just going to see here in the corner. And then you're playing four on four, but that's Tatum and three other guys that aren't Jalen Brown. And why do you have Jalen Brown on the team if he's not going to be the guy who's getting the ball down the stretch? So I think those are the things that the Celtics might need to kind of incorporate. Maybe I've been dying for them to start running pick and roll together and just tr make make the other defense make a decision. See if you can get them caught in messing up a switch. Somebody can slip to the rim and, and, and get some easy baskets that way. Yeah, I, I noticed they were starting to put more outlets around Tatum so that he always had like basically Jalen Brown like right by him to be able to pass the ball to whenever they doubled him and tried to force the ball out of his hand. So at least went to a more credible threat, which seemed like a very good adjustment against Miami Heat. So coming up next, I got I got a question for you, John, a real or fake about the most impactful player in this series. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline.net continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can get all of the latest odds on the NBA Finals. Right now, it's Warriors minus 160. They're minus three and a half for game one. You feeling good about that? Or John convincing you that maybe the Celtics is going to make this one a whole lot closer? So you think you're going to get some good odds and make some money on that team. And you can get all the Major League Baseball scores, fights. You can also even get next season's NFL futures. So betonline.net is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, whether it's live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action over at betonline.net betonline where the game starts and thank you for making locked on nba your first listen today and every day we're free and available wherever you get your podcast subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on youtube tell a friend about the show leave a five-star review with a comment you can now do that on spotify and if you're watching on youtube leave a comment down below who do you think's gonna win the celtics or the warriors you just put a c for celtics a w for warriors there and now for your next listen go check out the locked on nba big board podcast host Raphael barlow from nba draft junkies giving you an in-depth look into the nba draft mock drafts player rankings and of course big boards it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts Okay, John, real or fake? We do these on Wednesday. I've got yeah. a good one here. I got some stats too to Ooh. follow up with you. Real or fake? The the biggest X factor, the most important player in this series is Marcus Smart. Ooh, um, God, that's a good one. I'm gonna say I can go either way. I can say fake. I'm gonna say fake. Okay, because the real answer is Robert Williams. Um, it's. I, I think Robert Williams is the guy that that's the biggest X factor because of his injuries. I feel like, you know, what you're going to get from Marcus smart. Now, what makes Marcus smart a, a real, you know, if you want to say real, 
it's his potential to hit seven of 10 three pointers or miss one of 10 three, you know, you know like, he, <laughs> he, you know, he's Fair. that that's where he, but I think defensively he's going to be, a, he's going to be consistent. I think he's been pretty good as the team's point guard. I think in game, I think what we saw in game seven against the heat was the best and the worst, but we saw the bad Marcus smart in the first quarter. We saw amazing Marcus smart in the second and third. And then we saw a team meltdown where it was less Marcus smart, but it was more the team's stagnant, you know, run a prevent offense. I think Robert Williams, who didn't play well in game seven uh, because of the injury, if he can be healthy and what we saw in that, that heat series is when he took a game off and he came back, he was good. But when he played every other day, he wasn't. And he's so important to what the Celtics do defensively and offensively. I mean, he's a guy, obvious, an obvious lob threat that has that vertical spacing, the gravity to suck in that defense. And with a small Warriors defense, they are susceptible to the lobs from a guy as athletic as Robert Williams. So if he can be himself or a reasonable amount of himself, then that, that adds a dynamic element to the Celtics offense. And it adds an element to the Celtics defense that can go out and actually block corner three pointers. You know, he's, he's, he has multiple block shots on corner three pointers in the playoffs. Yeah. It's uh, super rare to see things like that. Right. And so if he's his normal athletic self, he can do that. And when he's had an extra day of rest, he's been able to get back to that. So if this extra day off in between these games allows him to be healthy or healthy enough, then he can be the X factor more than Marcus Smart. So I'm, I'm going to say it's true, hence partially, you know, the question in the first place here, but I'll give you some of the numbers, right? I was looking into how Marcus Smart fared against Steph Curry this year, and he's done a really good job you know they played yeah. each other twice and when smart and this is per the nba tracking stats which aren't the most perfect things all the time but it can give you a somewhat good idea of what's going on right steph curry shot against marcus smart two of eight from the field one assist and five turnovers over the course of two games when he's matched up against marcus smart if you go back to 2017 2018 He's held him to a total of 30 points on 11 for 30 shooting with just three assists along with seven turnovers. Those are pretty awful numbers for Steph. So to see a player, and look, he's the defensive player of the year for a reason, you know, have that kind of success against Steph Curry. I don't think he's going to hold him to that over the course of a series, right? But this is the sample we have to go on. And those numbers kind of like make your eyes open a little bit. So if he can just simply, as you mentioned it right in the last segment of the first one, you, you, you look to slow guys down. You don't look to stop them because perimeter defense is really, really hard. And Seth can get his shot off with like a sliver of space, essentially, oh, right? Yeah. You're never going to see him just completely bricking things or being smothered because if you give him an inch, he'll be able to, to, to take the three. But Smart seems to do it as well as anyone else in the league. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, in multiple facets of the defense, he's he, obviously he gets the guys organized, but you saw him against Jimmy Butler. He'll go over the top of the screen. He loves that little spin move over the top of a screen or under the screen. Mm -hmm. He'll stay in front of a guy. Um, he's, he's really great at navigating those, those picks. And, and that's going to be an important part of what, what they do, uh, against the Warriors because the Warriors will set a bunch of them. Um, he is quick. He is, uh, 
sneaky athletic so he can get up he can block shots at the rim he he's he's certainly um when i say that robert williams is going to be the x factor and ahead of marcus smart i think it's just a situational thing that marcus is so good now mm -hmm. some of those numbers are you know no clay no dre no so like the warriors yeah against the celtics have been a little shorthanded in some in some way so you can load up a little bit differently but also you know romeo langford played significant minutes against the warriors in some of these games too so a lot of these things are, are kind of thrown off a little bit so um yeah smart if he can if he can work that magic against steph and just the the, the advantage that he has is just the ability to be physical and if he can if he can be physical with steph and wear him down without fouling then that that could be a major major aspect of the Celtics having a good chance to win this series. Yeah, I don't know. That's the one that I'm going to be watching for from the tip is obviously they're going to have smart, I would imagine, on Curry and what that battle is going to look like. I think early on might tell you a lot about this series here. So before we wrap up, what's your prediction? Oh, you know, people keep asking me that. Um, yeah, it's like kind of tough in your spot to throw something like that out there. Yeah, no, it's it, because it's it's so hard. I like I I keep looking at this from different angles. Um, my prediction is that this is going to go seven. Um, I think these are two teams that are both evenly matched, but have strengths that the other is going to have a tough time accounting for, and so I. I mean, I, I'm going to go with the Celtics in seven. Um, just I think because you're required. I think I think when it's a toss up, I have to go Celtics in seven. Um, but I honestly, I I don't think I don't think this is going to be a quick series. Um, I know some people do. Uh, I I don't see that happening. I mean, and and I think because of how Miami uh, and and Boston looked against each other. People say, oh, well, look at how bad they looked against each other. Uh, Warriors are going to sit there and just crush them. Uh, in fact, I heard a couple of the FTX arena uh, workers at like 2 in the morning when I was writing there after game seven, like swearing up and down, like, I can't wait to see Steph Curry just bomb away on these guys. He's going to smoke them. And it's so funny that that's the kind of the, the attitude. But I would caution the people who think that you know, it's not – one series because it went a certain way doesn't mean it's going to go that way in yeah. the next one. It's, these are two completely different entities. And I think Boston and Miami played like just a, you know, physical battle and, and the Warriors are such a different style. The Celtics can adapt to that style. I can see them playing fast. The Celtics play better when they play fast. So I, I actually am looking forward to the Celtics offense kind of opening up and being a little more free. So almost no result would surprise me. I just don't think anything anything less than six games would surprise me. But if you told me Warriors in six or seven or Celtics in six or seven, I think you can make a legitimate argument for, for all of that. So I'm just going to say Celtics in seven because they've been a great road team, the best road team. Um, and mm -hmm. I just think... I honestly do think the Celtics defense is better than the Warriors offense and the, the Celtics offense can be better than the, I think the Warriors defense 
is is still lacking just because of how hurt a couple of guys are and that Clay is not his normal self. But it's not to say that it's not good. I think I think the Celtics can score against the Warriors a little bit better than the than the the Warriors can score against the Celtics. So I'll just I'm I'm going to use that as my tiebreaker. Tie I think that's fair. I was going to say Warriors in seven. To be honest, I think their three point shooting obviously is going to be a huge. How dare you, Jake? How point. dare you? I know. Look, I'm actually so I was talking to someone the other day. I'm like, I'm going to root for the Celtics in this series because of you. So at least I'm rooting for them. Doesn't mean I think they're going to win here, right? Just for you here. This is coming from a guy who's from Los Angeles and like was like bred to hate the Celtics too. And I'm rooting for him <laughs> in the finals. So um, give you give yourself a pat on the back for that one. But I think the three point shooting, Steph and Clay kind of being back. I think that's a, that's a big one here. But I, I think it's going to be a fun series, and I'm glad we're going to get another hopefully glad we're going to get another close playoff series that maybe we'll get a couple more exciting games than we did in some of the rounds we've had too so as long as we get that i'm going to be happy at the end of the day but i'm still going to go with warriors in seven well i hate you now no i'm only kidding yeah i know i that's fair i honestly i can't get i didn't didn't say warriors in six i didn't say five (laughs) i didn't say four i i um i was super confident in the first three rounds um, as evidenced by how much the fans of the Nets Bucks and Heat now hate me. Um, I've been called many, many names by those fan bases in my YouTube comments, but I was super, super confident. I went into each of those crossover shows. I came into each of those series and I said, Boston is the better team. I fully expect hundred percent expected the Celtics to win each of those series. This one, I, I, I got to be honest. I, I can't sit there and say I expect the Celtics. Can they win? Of course they can win. I think they can win. Uh, I think there's a, a very reasonable path. It's not blind faith in thinking that they can win. I think there's a very reasonable basketball kind of argument to be made that the Celtics are the better team and can win this series. However, there is a very strong counterpoint that can be made basketball-wise, not blind faith, that the Warriors are the better team and they will win this series. And that's why I expect this to be seven great games. I, I, I hope I'm not wrong with this at the very least. I think this can be an all time classic NBA final series. I think it can be that good. Give me that. That sounds awesome. Give me, give me a series like that. And we're all going to be happy because yeah. this is the last couple of basketball games we're going to get for an extended period of time. And let's have some fun ones here. So go check them out at locked on Celtics. Go check out the locked on warriors podcast as well. And of course, subscribe to locked on NBA. We're going to be recapping the games, covering them here along with the biggest stories around the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the locked on Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at John underscore Corrales on Twitter. And I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone didn't know that by now, he hosts Locked Locked On Celtics. By the way, so thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week. We are Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.